This morning, got a good crowd here. Uh, before we get started, we're going to let Brother Warren Vickers come over and lead us in prayer, and then we'll get started. Let's all pray. Father, we sure do thank you and love you for being so good to us, Lord. We just, uh, just so unworthy to even call upon your name, but Father, we just, uh, we love you for giving us that opportunity. Father, we pray for Merville Baptist Church here, and Lord, we pray that you just open our minds and our hearts, and Lord, let us be receptive to the word this morning, and Father, we pray, Lord, that you'd just be with us. Help us find us a good pastor, Lord, the one that you need for us here. And, Lord, we pray for the choir, pray for the music, musicians. And, Father, we uh, anything that's good that's done here this morning, Father, we're going to give you the praise and honor and glory for it. And one more time, I want to tell you how much I love you. Thank you for being so good to me in Christ's name. Amen. All right, let's all stand page 285. 
137. here. I uh, appreciate everybody's here. We're going to uh, take up our offering. Uh, those who are um, uh, going to take up the offering, please come up. All right. Uh, Brother Clay, would you please pray over offering?
Good to see everybody here this morning. I hope y'all are glad to be here. There's no better place to be here on this Sunday morning, is there? Amen. Absolutely. Got just a few announcements I want to give y'all. Uh, May the 14th is our Mother's Day service. Uh, there will be no night service uh, that, that day, so remember that. Uh, May the 21st, we're going to have a graduation celebration for Sarah Hayfley, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, Bella Dismore, and Brady May. So, Please make arrangements to be there for that celebration, okay? Um, they've worked very hard, and this is a wonderful time for them, graduating high school, uh, really going that next step, okay? So, so they've worked hard for it, so please be there to, to celebrate that with them. Uh, May the 24th, uh, that's our last uh, Wednesday night for Crusaders for Christ. We're going to have a, a pretty big bash for them. So uh, please be here for that Bible study and uh, to help... Uh, Kind of close out the uh, Crusaders for Christ uh, for the summer. Uh, one thing I want to add, uh, add to that is last Wednesday night, <clears throat> we had a really, really good race. Uh, those that showed up to support the, uh, the, the, the kids, I really appreciate that. Uh, they had a fun. Uh, I hope you had a blessing. I know I did. Uh, it was tremendous. It was really tremendous. Uh, I've got one. i got a thank you here that I want to read. Uh, dear Maryville Baptist Church, thank you for the great blessings you have been to us through the years. The gracious uh, retirement gift that <clears throat> is uh, above and beyond what we ever expected. Also, the canvas print of Maryville Baptist Church and the jewelry for the, from the ladies will be cherished forever. Thank you. Uh, the love, support, and every prayer you have prayed on our behalf 
We are eternally grateful. We love you, church family, and pray God's richest blessings upon each uh, of you and the ministry of Merville Baptist Church. God bless you all. Our love, Brother John and Sis Debbie. Thank you uh, for listening. Brother. Silver lines that you can see.
if you'll go ahead and be making your way up. Y'all pray for Brother Grant Hardeman today. Uh, I sent out or called out and text uh, different preachers, asked him for recommendations, and uh, checked in about six different churches. And his first name was brought up, and I've been listening to a lot of his sermons online. So y'all pray for him. Uh, I believe you'll really enjoy him this morning. Uh, you can introduce your family. Amen. Well, it's good to be in the Lord's house with you this morning, and uh, we're thankful for the opportunity to be here. And I do want to say this on behalf of my family. I really, really appreciate uh, the good motel room and the accommodations, and uh, we're just looking forward to this day, being able to spend it with you. And I believe we'll have lunch uh, with some men later on, and so we're looking forward to that. And so we thank the Lord for the opportunity and the privilege to be able to be here with you today. And uh, that my family, this is my wife, Celeste, and uh, she is holding our youngest. She's fixing to be a year old. Her name is Sadie May. And uh, then uh, there to her right is Rayleigh. Rayleigh is five years old. She just turned five uh, in April. And then the man of the house is Jace. He's six years old. And uh, thank the Lord for my family this morning. Amen. And um, I, I believe wholeheartedly if uh, I don't have a family, I don't have a ministry. Amen. And uh, they're my greatest encouragement. And I, I thank the Lord for them every single day. And uh, there was a question kind of asked on, uh, I guess, a questionnaire that the church uh, sends to preachers. And uh, the last uh, thing was, you know, tell us something about yourself that you may want us to know. I am a family man. Amen. And uh, I thank God for my family. I think family is a, is a crucial, crucial part uh, of the church. Yes, and uh, so we praise the Lord for the family unit this morning. Amen. And uh, thank God for mine. Amen. If you would, uh, turn with me to Luke chapter number 23 this morning. Luke chapter number 23. And a very, very familiar passage of Scripture. And if you are a Christian, uh, this passage should never lose its familiarity. Uh, with us, and uh, we ought to not let the familiarity of it rob us uh, of the blessing that it is this morning. Amen. And so this is what we feel the Lord would have us to preach this morning, and uh, we hope that it's a blessing to you. And if you're here and you're not saved, um, you're, you're an honored guest this morning, and uh, the Lord loves you this morning, and He loved you so much that He sent His Son to die for you, and uh, we're going to tell you about that here uh, in these moments. All right. Luke chapter number 23. And look with me, if you will, in verse 33. Luke chapter number 23 and verse number 33. The Bible says, And when they were come to the place which is called Calvary, there they crucified him and the malefactors, one on the right hand and the other on the left. Then said Jesus, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they parted his raiment and cast lots. And the people stood beholding, and the rulers also with them derided him, saying, He saved others, let him save himself, if he be Christ, the chosen of God. And the soldiers also mocked him, coming to him and offering him vinegar, and saying, If thou be the king of the Jews, save thyself. And a superscription also was written over him in letters of Greek and Latin and Hebrew, This is the king of the Jews. One of the malefactors which were hanged railed on him, saying, If thou be Christ, save thyself and us. But the other answering rebuked him, saying, Dost not thou fear God, 
seeing thou art in the same condemnation. And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. But this man hath done nothing amiss. And he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this day. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness to us. God, we want to thank you, Lord, for your grace and for your mercy. Thank you, Lord, for Jesus this morning. We thank you for the cross and, God, the blood that was shed there. We thank you, Lord, for your death, your burial, your resurrection. And, God, we're thankful that you are alive forevermore, seated at God's right hand. Lord, we pray that you would meet with us this morning, God, that you'd manifest yourself. God, I pray, Lord, that you would, uh, Lord, touch believers this morning. And, God, would you give us a fresh look at the cross and God, I pray, Lord, if there are those here that are lost without you, God, I pray, Lord, that you draw them to the foot of Calvary. God, that they'd see themselves for who they are, but, Lord, that they'd see Jesus high and lifted up. God, that you'd draw them to yourself. Lord, that they'd be saved by grace through faith. Lord, before it's everlasting too late, God, we'll thank you, God, for what you do in these services today. Lord, we pray that your will would be accomplished and be done. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. amen. And amen. When we come to Luke chapter number 23 this morning, you'll find that the Bible says, and when they were come to the place which is called Calvary. Whenever we consider this place that is called Calvary, I want you to understand that this is probably the most important place in all of our Bible. And it's not only the most important place in all of our Bible, but I would venture to say that this is the most important place in all of human history. This is the climax of history. This is the culmination of all Bible prophecy. And all Bible prophecy points to and stems from the place which is called Calvary. This is where heaven's lamb died that day. This is where the son of God came and accomplished the will of the father and did everything that the father intended for him to do. As we look at this text this morning, I want you to see a couple of things by way of introduction and then we'll give you the message. Number one, I want you to see that Calvary is a place of suffering this morning. Look in verse number 33. The Bible said, and when they were come to the place which is called Calvary, there they crucified him. Now, whenever we read through this, we can sometimes kind of gloss over, but understand that crucifixion uh, was a very, very gruesome death. The Romans got it from the Persians and the Romans spent much time perfecting crucifixion. And it was there when they got pleasure out of seeing men uh, and women suffer. And uh, whenever we think about the cross and we think about Calvary, it indeed is a place of suffering this morning. Amen. The moments that led up to Calvary, I want you to consider the Lord Jesus Christ with me as he was there in the garden of Gethsemane. Jesus knew and he full well understood the burden that was to be laid upon him. He knew that, that sin, uh, which he'd never known and never experienced, was to be laid upon him there at the cross. 
But as he was there at Gethsemane, the Bible mentions one word there uh, in the word of God at Gethsemane. It's the only time that that word is mentioned in our Bible and it is the word agony this morning. Amen. Jesus was in agony. In fact, the Bible says that his, that his sweat became as it were great drops of blood. And he suffered there at Gethsemane at the hands of Satan. You say, what do you mean? There's no doubt in my mind that Satan tried to discourage the Son of God from doing what he was going to do. He tried to deviate him from the cross. As a matter of fact, Jesus Christ, in his humanity, he prayed, Father, if it be thy will, then let this cup pass from me, uh, but nevertheless, let thy will be done. Amen. Uh, he went on to that place, which was called Gabbatha, the place of the pavement, where they smote him on the face, and they mocked him to prophesy uh, who hit him. Amen. And it was there at Gabbatha that he'd suffered at the hands of sinful men. But before our, uh, uh, to this morning in the text, uh, we find Jesus Christ at the the place which is called Calvary and he was no longer suffering at the hands of Satan and he was no longer suffering at the hands of sinful men but I want to say this this morning that Jesus Christ he was suffering at the hands of a sovereign God you say who was it that put Jesus on the cross listen to me God used those Roman soldiers and God used those Jews to say crucify him crucify him but listen to me it was God the father that put his son on the cross so that you and I might be saved this morning. Isaiah said that he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. And the chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we are healed. And I'm glad this morning that he endured the cross. Amen. And he did that for you. And he did that for me. And sinner friend, if you're here this morning and you've never been saved, I want you to know that God loves you. And that Christ gave his all so that you you could be saved this morning, amen, and that you could know the free part of sin. Calvary was a place of suffering this morning, but then I want you to notice with me not only the suffering, but notice with me the soldiers. Look at what the Word of God tells us in verse number 36. The Bible said, and the soldiers also mocked him, coming to him and offering him vinegar. Now this was in response to Jesus Christ crying out on the cross, saying, I thirst. What they did is they took that spear and they dipped it in that uh, sour wine or that vinegar. And they lifted that sponge up to the mouth of, of God's son. And they didn't do that to give him a drink. They didn't do that to satisfy his thirst. But they did that as an act of mockery this morning. And can I tell you these some 2,000 years later, it's no different. The world doesn't think much of Jesus. Listen, he's, he's the butt of their jokes. He's a cuss word when they smash their hand or something goes wrong in their life. Hey, but I'm telling you this morning, he's not a cuss word. He's not the butt of somebody's joke. He's nobody to be mocked and derided, but he's the son of God. He's king of kings and he's Lord of lords. And he's coming back one day in vengeance to judge this world. And the Bible says that God has committed all judgment unto the son this morning. Amen. Though they mock him, though they belittled him, Thank God one of these days he is coming back victorious. Yes, 
We see the suffering. We see the soldiers. But then I want you to notice with me in verse number 38. Look with me at the superscription. Bible said in verse number 38. And a superscription also was written over him in letters of Greek and Latin and Hebrew. This is the king of the Jews. Notice the superscription is written in three languages of the day. Whenever we read verse number 38, the first language that uh, we read about is the Greek language. Now understand that Rome was occupying Judea at this time and Greek was the common language at this part of the world at this time. And I believe that God allowed the message uh, of Jesus Christ being the king of the Jews to be written in Greek is so that everybody could read that message and that everybody could know who Jesus is. Amen. It was a message to the common man. I'm glad that I fit that criteria this morning. Amen. I'm glad as a 14-year-old boy, I, I didn't have any wealth. I didn't have uh, a name that was known in this world. Uh, but I was just a normal, common person. But I'm glad that morning as a 14-year-old boy, that preacher preached to me and the Holy Ghost came convicted my heart and thank God by the grace of God I was able to trust in Jesus Christ put my faith in him and I got saved this morning amen uh, some people think that the gospel uh, is sent to just a particular group or just uh, some elect group but I'm glad that the gospel it spans to the four corners of the world and I still believe whosoever this morning amen and the Bible declares that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be say yeah. the gospel is a message to common people this morning but it was not only written in Greek but then secondly it was written in Latin Latin was the language of those that were educated this morning but I'm telling you you go down to the trailer park and I don't say that in any kind of disdain. I say that respectfully. But you go down to the trailer park and you knock on somebody's door and you try to tell them about Jesus. Boy, they're real receptive. You don't have to spend a whole lot of time telling them they're a sinner. They know where they come from. They know what kind of life they're living. Boy, but you go to the neighborhoods of Welder. You go down here to one of these late communities and of these people with all of this kind of money and you try to convince them of their need of Christ. Boy, they'll laugh at you. They'll slap the door in your face. Hey, but I'm glad Jesus didn't just come for, for poor people. I'm glad he came for those that were educated and Jesus Christ himself at night in John chapter number three, he took time for an educated man and he asked Nicodemus those questions and he said, art thou a master in Israel and knowest not these things? And he looked him eyeball to eyeball and he said, you must be born again. Amen. I'm glad the message of the gospel is a message to the common man. I'm glad that educated men can get in on God's plan of salvation this morning. But then finally, notice in verse number 38, the Bible says that it was written in Hebrew. You know what that was? That was a message to the religious man. That was a message to those that believed they were inside of God's covenant. Those that believed that they were right with God. 
Now, I want to tell you this morning, I'm glad that religious people need to be saved too. Amen. I'm not asking you this morning if you're a church member. I'm not asking you if you partake in the Lord's Supper. I'm not asking you if you've been baptized. I'm not asking you if you go on visitation. I'm not asking you if you give in the offering plate. But I'm asking you this morning, have you been born again? Do you know Jesus? Because when you die, that's the only thing that will do this morning. And so we read in verse number 38 about this message. The Jews got mad about this. And Pilate said, what I have written, I have written. This was a message that spanned to the entire world that Jesus Christ was king of the Jews. But, but I want to look at someone else this morning. I want to focus in on another individual who experienced all of this firsthand. And that was the thief on the cross. That was that man that looked at Jesus and said, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. How did this man receive the message of the cross? How did this man receive the message of the gospel? And that's the fault and the subject I want to preach on this morning is the message of Calvary. The message of Calvary. What did this message say to this thief who was dying on the cross? Number one, I believe this this morning... That as we look at the Word of God, the first message or the first aspect of the message of Calvary that this thief received was number one, a fallen man can repent. A fallen man can repent. Notice what the Word of God says in verse number two. The Bible said, and he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy Kingdom, Amen. He realized that a fallen man can repent. And when this thief looked at Jesus, I believe this morning that he saw royalty in the Lord Jesus Christ. You say, what do you mean? There in verse number 42, he said, Lord, he recognized his authority. He recognized his deity. He recognized his kingship. And then he said in, there in verse number 42 again, he said, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. This man looked at Jesus and he realized that he was a king. Amen. I've already said it a little bit, but Jesus was not just a common man. Jesus was not just a prophet. He was not just a teacher or a social reformer, but he was and he is the Son of God this morning. He's heaven's lamb. He is the Christ of God this morning. Amen. He is and he was God in the flesh. He wasn't born in a palace or an ivory tower. He wasn't born into a wealthy family. But I'm glad he condescended to our low estate. And he was born in a manger. Amen. He was born on some dark Judean hillside. And he condescended to where we were. He took on our shame and our sin and our suffering. And he bore it all the way to Calvary yeah. this morning. Amen. To everybody else. Jesus was a bloody and a beaten criminal. To everybody else, Jesus was a convict that was sentenced to die. But I'm glad to this thief this morning, to this malefactor as the Bible calls him, I'm glad that when he looked at Jesus, he saw a king this morning. Amen. He looked at a man whom he heard forgive those that caused his suffering. When he cried out, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He looked at a man who in his condition and in his state on the cross was able to offer forgiveness. And he wanted in on that. And he wanted to be a part of this 
this king's kingdom and he wanted to be joined up with who this man was because he looked at him and he saw royalty in him and he recognized him as a king this morning. Amen. I'm glad that a fallen man can repent. I'm glad if you're here this morning and you're lost without Christ, I'm glad that you can be saved. I'm glad that if you've never been born again and the Holy Ghost of God begins to deal with your heart, well, I'm so glad that it's a whosoever message and you can come and you can drink of the water of life freely this morning. Amen. I'm glad that a fallen man can repent this morning. Secondly, this morning, I want you to consider this. The second aspect of the message of Calvary was not only that a fallen man can repent, but I'm glad that a forgotten man can be remembered. A forgotten man can be remembered. You say, what do you mean? He said in verse number 42, He said, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. Here this man was. He knew that he could repent because he saw royalty in Jesus. But he looked at Christ and he saw resurrection in Jesus. And he had hope that he could be remembered. Why was he concerned about that? I want you to consider that with me for just a few moments. Here this man was, he was a thief. He was condemned to die. And in that day, outside of Jerusalem, they, they took all of their trash and they took all of their garbage and they took all of the bodies of their criminals and they took it down to the valley of Hinnom. And when Jesus was talking about Gehenna, we know that he was talking about a literal hell, but he was also talking about a perpetual burning trash heap outside of the city walls of Jerusalem. When he mentioned that worm dieth not, and the weeping and the gnashing of teeth, that was a reference to Gehenna. And here's what this thief knew and understood, that the moment that he died and he gave up life's breath, he would be taken down off of that cross, his body would be taken down to the trash heap. He would be thrown in there. He would be forgotten, never to be remembered again by God or man. But when he looked at Jesus, he realized that this was not the end for Christ. He knew that he had a kingdom. And he knew that some way, somehow, he was getting down off of that cross. Little did he know it would be by way of resurrection. And I'm glad, thank God, that when he looked at Christ and he said, Lord, remember me. God kept his promise and Christ kept his word and as he lifted up his eyes after he died he found himself in the presence of God and the presence of Christ there in paradise amen he found himself in Abraham's bosom here's what this man knew about Jesus he knew that Jesus was dying but he knew that dead men didn't have kingdoms he knew that somehow this was not the end for the Lord Jesus Christ. And here's what he said. He said, Lord, remember me. You know what had happened to this man? It had become personal for him. I ask you a question this morning. Is it personal for you? Is what you have here something that you just hang on the coat rack as you come and go? I'm glad we've got a God this morning that will go home to you. I'm glad we have a Savior that will fellowship with you on the job. Boy, in the midst of the darkness and the depravity and the filth and the wickedness, 
uh, of this world. I'm thankful that God desires to fellowship with his people. And it is God who remembers his own this morning. A forgotten man can be remembered. A fallen man can repent. But I want you to consider this third aspect with me this morning. I'm glad that this thief realized that a fearful man can rejoice. A fearful man can rejoice. Why? Because he saw redemption in the Lord Jesus Christ. Here this man was. He had reached the end of the line. He was on his last leg. He was at the end of his rope. This man had spent his life breaking the law. And now the law had finally broken him. All of his bad decisions had now been manifested in consequences. His sins had finally found him out. He was condemned to die with no lamb to offer this time. No priest to go in on his behalf. No law to obey. He had reached the end of the line. He had reached the end of his life. But I'm glad that man hanging on the middle cross would be all three of those things for him. Thank God Christ fulfilled the law so that he wouldn't have to. Christ offered himself as a lamb so he wouldn't have to go and offer a lamb. Jesus Christ acting as his high priest. He wouldn't have to go find the priest. He wouldn't have to go present himself. Christ was doing all of those things for him. And if he would just look at Christ and put his faith and trust in him, then thank God salvation could be fulfilled and be awarded and rewarded in his life. I'm glad Christ fulfilled the law so that you and I don't have to. There with his perfect and sinless life, He willingly laid it down for you and me. He offered himself as the Lamb of God. Thankful this morning that the Word of God tells us to him him that knew no sin. Can you imagine that? Imagine that. Now, now, now don't you you go ahead and hide your halo and tuck your wings back. But I'm just going to be real transparent with you this morning. There's enough that's went through my mind and there's enough that I've done this week not just to mention this morning to die and go to hell for. You think about the Lord Jesus Christ. He knew no sin. He had no sin nature. He'd never had an impure thought. He never said anything that he shouldn't have said. He never lost his temper with anybody in a sinful way. Never heard his testimony. Never did any of those things. Never disobeyed the Father one time. But here he is, all of our sins being laid upon him on the cross. And not just our sins, but the dregs of the judgment of God were being poured out on Jesus Christ on the cross. And here the Father is, turning his face away, turning the lights out on the world, turning his face away from his darling son. And here this man, he feels like he's forsaken. He feels like he's alone. He feels like he's left to condemn to die. And Jesus Christ himself was forsaken by the Father. So that this man would no longer have to know what that was like. Jesus Christ has been forsaken by the Father. God has turned his face away from his darling son. And Jesus has been forsaken. So that you and I never would have to be. Never to know what that's like. Never to be out of fellowship with God again. 
What we find this morning, we find in this thief a man who made the decision in spite of everything that was going on around him, in spite of the naysayers, in spite of a suffering, in spite of his own death to deal with and to contemplate, he looked at Jesus Christ and he put his faith and his trust in him. And he committed himself to Christ that day. And I'm so glad for this fact this morning. Jesus Christ committed himself to him. Friend, I'm telling you this morning, if you'll commit yourself to Christ, God is a God who keeps his promises. God is a God who remembers his own. And if you'll commit yourself to Christ, then Christ will commit himself to you this morning. Have you ever been saved? you ever been born again? Now, I know the majority here. You say, well, preacher, of course. I'm here on a Sunday morning. I'm here serving the Lord. I'm here to worship God. And that's wonderful. But there may be somebody here under the sound of my voice. You've never been saved. You've never been born again. You've never come face to face with the reality that you are condemned in your sins and the wrath of God abides upon you. But if you'll look to Christ, you can be saved. Charles Spurgeon tells the story of his conversion. And uh, he had often frequented the Baptist church. That was the church that he was raised in. There was a snowstorm one day, and on the way to the Baptist church, he could not get to that church. The Methodist church was a little bit closer. Spurgeon went in and made his way into the Methodist church that day, and there was just a small handful of people, and one of the elders or deacons of the church was up giving the Bible study for that day. He went to Isaiah, and he gave the text on, Look unto me, and be ye saved, all the ends of the earth. And Spurgeon said in that moment, the Holy Ghost convicted his heart, and there in his pew for the first time in his life, he looked by faith to the Lord Jesus Christ. He didn't weep any tears. There was no great emotional swelling. But that moment in in that time between him and God, there was faith put in the Lord Jesus Christ. A lot of times we want to equate salvation with tears. And and that's all right to cry. We want to equate salvation with with some kind of funny feeling. and, And it's all right to feel something. But really, what is salvation this morning? It is trusting in what God has provided through the person and the work of His Son, Jesus Christ. Nothing more, nothing less. For by grace are you saved through faith. It's the gift of God, not of works lest any man should boast. Listen to me this morning. If you were good enough to save yourself, Jesus never would have went to the cross. But Christ died and was buried and rose again for your justification this morning. Amen. And it's our prayer that you've received Christ. And if you're a Christian this morning, get a fresh look at the cross. Look at Calvary again. You want a burden for sinners? Look at the cross. You want a burden for the bus children? Look at the cross. You want a burden for your co-worker? You want a burden for your children? Look at the cross and see what Jesus Christ sacrificed and what he provided for you. Amen. And do your best to get the message of Calvary to those who have not yet believed. Amen. Amen. As they come with a song this morning, let's stand together. We'll have a verse of invitation, whatever they feel led to do uh, in the service this morning. I want to encourage you to use the altar this morning.
God spoke in your heart, would you come and you pray? If you're here this morning, you've never been saved. I'd love to take a Bible. One of these men in the church would love to take the Word of God and show you how to be saved this morning. Would you repent and believe the gospel this morning? Amen.